Hey, you're listening to Commander Google Podcast, episode 152. I'm Brando. I'm here with Ryan. Today we're going to continue the arc of EDH&M by talking about a deck that's totally a seven. Now hit our theme song! Hey, Ryan. We're back for yet another whirlwind adventure. How you doing? Good. What's going down? Whole ton is going down. Today we're going to continue our arc of doing decks that we play with in our local meta. We're going to talk about a deck that is totally... Totally an average power level of probably seven. Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe yeah, eight. That's a thing. Nope, seven. That's nah, it's it's definitely a seven. But before we do any of that, we're going to talk about our official sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com. They're Canada's biggest magic store. Ooh, very much so. I've got a shopping cart started with them for Black Friday. Ooh, I bought like one card from them last week. Well, yeah. What yeah. card was it? It was a extended art tour brand. Because now I have one of each. Huh? Well, I have like a regular tour brand and then a foil regular tour brand and an extended art foil tour brand, and then I'll get an extended art tour brand, and then my play set of tour brand, I'll have one of each print. Because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a com- completionist. Oh. Yeah. A completionist. <laughs> Is that a thing? I think so. Yeah, for you sure. Gotta, you got to have the whole set of something. You need every single My Little Pony. You need every single goblin. I have one of every sliver, at least, and I have four of every sliver. They're, they're, <laughs> You're a sliver completionist. They're not foil anymore because, yeah. Uh, too much. Too much, yeah. yeah. The first sliver just was like, no, nope, nah, not going to do it. Not doing it. Yeah, that's right. You you paid out the nose for your your regular first slivers when they first came out. Now they're like tank, tanked down to seven bucks with them foils, though. <laughs> yeah, that, them foils, though. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Turns out those premium products that aren't for everybody can uh, still maintain some of that foil value. Oh, very much so. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about... Arc of EDH&M, this is episode three in the arc. We've got, uh, I think, a doubleheader next week, right? We do. Well, we're going to record a doubleheader, and then we'll release the doubleheader. Yes. (laughs) I (laughs) I think people know what doubleheader means. (laughs) I spoiled locally what our bonus episode's going to be. No. So seven people know. Oh, perhaps the people that you went for beers with after EDH&M. The the perks of going for post EDH&M beers is you might get an insight into what we're going to be doing. Oh, oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. If you go to youtube.com slash C slash Commander Cookout Podcast, you can watch the pre-show. If you go to post EDH&M beer night... You get the empty or the the Commander Cookout post show. <laughs> Got there. I like it. It's just us drinking beer and having fun. It was a great time. Yes, very much so. so. Shout out to all those guys and to our local game store owner Aaron. It was his birthday last night. Oh yeah. So shout out to him. Did he go to beers? He did. That's probably why everybody came. <laughs> yeah, they all. They, we all went, and then Aaron's crew came, and Aaron sat with us instead of them because they were being nerds and playing magic in the bar. Ooh. Yeah. You know, I've been saying to Aaron for months, he should like go and talk to the bar so we can all just go and play there <laughs> like the whole night. <laughs> they got back rooms and stuff, don't they? Uh, I don't know if they do. Listen, walk in, I don't know, 10 bucks all night, they just bring you pictures. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like our Extra Life charity event we went to. That was an excellent time. I spent lots of money. I don't usually go to the bar. But I went to three bars. I went to, actually, I went to two bars, but I went to them like four different times during the day. (laughs) So that was great. Lots of pictures. We had a, you had a story to tell that I told you not to spoil on the pre-show. Oh yeah. So this is just, it shows the, uh, how much fun you can have at a beer night, having beers with your friends and the, uh, folly of building a building for fashion more than function. Oh yeah. 
So we were at a new bar just opened, like it was maybe 10 days open here in town. Yep. And we were up in this like loft space and the floor, rather than being a floor, was a bunch of like, I don't know if they were two by fours, whatever it was. It was like slat flooring where you could like see through the spaces between the they boards. They were two by fours stood up like the tall way and then all screwed together such that they made a big balcony style floor above the rest of the bar. Yes, above the rest of the bar. So there's people underneath us sitting, yeah. drinking, eating. And me and Aiden, we cheers our, our schooners together. And we weren't like being crazy. There was like regular just clinking glasses over how awesome Goblin Bombardment is. And the bottom of his full schooner just fell out of his glass. And all of the beer, of course, went with it onto the floor. I didn't know that's why you were cheersing. Oh, man, Goblin Bombardment's awesome. Yeah, clink. Yeah. Well, in, <laughs> I played in like every deck that has red in it because it's the best <laughs> card that there is. And so then all this beer hits the floor, goes through the cracks in the floor, and just falls onto the people who are sitting there eating underneath us. That's so excellent. I was down getting another beer because it was like a go back to the counter and serve yourself. They don't serve you in the balcony. That's just kind of like their free space because they're also a restaurant and a brewery there. So I was down there ordering a beer, and I was just in line to pay and pick up my beer. And I see Aiden come down, and he's just like drenched. This is like a 30-ounce schooner. This it's is a, huge. This is a jug of beer. Yeah. And I'm like, why are you wearing your beer? He's like, because I seen it on his shirt. And he was like, feel my pants. <laughs> so I'm feeling his pants. And he is like from his crotch down to his knees soaked. <laughs> oh, so that was, yeah, that was definitely the highlight of the night. And I missed it. It was, it was a good time. And that was like our fourth or fifth schooner that night. And then on the way back to the event, we stopped at another bar and had another one. Yeah, we were at Prairie Sun Brewery, commandercookout at gmail.com for business inquiries, just saying. Mm -hmm. And we drank a bunch there. We came back and Aiden was like, I didn't even eat anything. I'm hungry. And we were like, hey, look at this door. It leads to food. So we went into another bar and he just <laughs> like ordered a burger and everybody got wings and fries. And I was just like, hmm, I wanted to go play magic. Better get another schooner. <laughs> <laughs> so... It wasn't too long for me after that. I stayed there till about 1230. And Justin, new new, new EDH&M friend Justin, drove me home. Yeah, from New Zealand, right? Yes. That's pretty fun. Yes. He, uh, of all places, yeah, all places, moved from New Zealand to PA. Sorry Ooh, to hear about that. Yeah, dude, that's like the most tragic story I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So oh what, do, what do we got here? This is ARCA EDH&M. Before we get to it, a couple quick social media coordinates. Get after them. You can find us at CCO Podcast and CCO Brando on Twitter and tappedout.net. That's where you can find most of the deck lists we do. I don't think we've been adding these ones just because they're on a myriad of different platforms. Yeah. So check out the show notes below for that kind of stuff. Or commandercookout at gmail.com. There's still time to get your lists in for this arc as we are still picking decks that we're going to use in upcoming episodes. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, patreon.com slash Podcast. And then you can find a more complete rundown of all the places you can find us anywhere ever at our official official home on the entire internet, commandercookout.com. Yes, and don't forget commandercookout.com slash store, playmats, and new CCO stickers. And shirts. Very much so. Arc of EDH&M, list three. Totally a seven. Totally, absolutely a seven. It's jank. It doesn't play any of the fast mana. It's totally a seven. Define fast mana for us, because I think everybody in their own mind or meta has an idea of what fast mana is. 
for our purposes today in this conversation, when you say fast mana, what are you talking about? When somebody says to me, now I, in my head, I have a different construction than what I'm about to say, but when somebody tells me that they don't play fast mana in their deck, that tells me that they don't play maybe Sol Ring. They might not play Sol Ring. They, they probably might, do. They, they might, they might not, but, but that is, not. that one is generally accepted yeah. as fine. But, and then we got Mana Crypt, we got Mana Vault, we got Mox Diamond, and Lotus Petal, and all those things that are free, artifacts, turn one, make 40 mana, play Kozilek. Yeah, Grim Monolith. We'll put Metalworker in there. Sure. Lotus Petal, did you say that one? I said Lotus Petal. Chrome Mox. Sure. Lion's Eye Diamond. Oh, yeah, Lion's Eye Diamond. That one you have to build around, but we're still going to count it as fast mana because it leads to... It gives you three for zero. Yeah, and you're going to use it to do something that's... Before I can do something, right? Yes. Right? What's uh, what's the other mocks? I said, did I say chrome mocks? Chrome mocks, mocks diamonds. But they were all, you get it. You get, It's all those really like monetarily expensive mana rocks. One, one card and some amount of mana gives you more mana than you started with. And you can repeat that effect over and over just by like starting your turn and untapping them. Yes. Now in real life and how you look at it in your brain or in a deck like this fast mana can also include anything that taps for one that only costs you one so when you untap on turn one you have two mana as opposed to just one those would those would be what we traditionally call mana dorks yes right and when we are focusing for this arc on communication so everybody has a good play experience at their local edh night or friend group and we say what power level is your deck and you say a seven Everybody says seven. Everybody's deck is a fucking seven. And that could mean a couple different things. It could mean, you know, I that's how fast my deck is. It's got a bunch of combos, but no tutors. It's got a bunch of mana dorks, but no real payoff. I win with a crater hoof that I just randomly draw. Like, it could mean so many different things that we were talking about it last week. So listen to episode 151. Near the end of the episode, we were talking about the questions that you ask to make sure that you are on the same page. This deck today is our boy John's deck. It's a Chulane deck, so why don't you give Chulane a read? Chulane, Teller of Tales, new from the Brawl decks, is a 2-4 for 5. What is this color combination? Bant. Bant and 2. He has Vigilance. He says, whenever you cast a creature spell, draw a card, then you may put a land from your hand into play. What the fuck? Then you can tap three in him to return target creature you control to its owner's hand. So Bant for any of the new members of CCO Nation, blue, white, green, two for a two-four. Yeah. Play a creature, draw a card, play a land. Wow. So you basically get all of the best things. You get to further your creature strategy because that's what you're going to do anyways. But then you get to draw a card for that. As if that wasn't enough, you get to play a land for free. Okay. If you have nothing to do, if there's nothing left in your hand after all of that, for whatever reason, three, tap, return target creature you control to its owner's hand. Do it again. So what if your creature, when it enters a battlefield, gives you another land or lets you draw a card so you can actually double up on Chulane's ability? Uh-oh. Yeah, this this guy is a piece of shit. It's like, it's like oh yeah, there's 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 no such thing as casual Urza. Like, that's the joke, yeah. right? There's almost no such thing as casual Chulane, but our friend John says, no, this deck's a seven, it never wins. Yeah, it's fine. It's just a, it's just, a, and I, when I was scanned through the list, it's like, oh, sure, whatever. Like, I figured I'm going to, I'm going to trust in what John tells me. I'm going to look at this. I'm going to just accept it at the word. 
and see where it goes. Which is a great way to have a friendship is is built on trust and this (laughs) is okay. We're not going to scumbag each other. And I don't think it was John's intention for us to use the deck because he called it a seven and that it's jank and it's fine because he was like lying to us. (laughs) F you if it was, John. Yeah, dude. But I think he's running into the fact that he's got... Ah, uh, 19 mana dorks in here. What? Two of them cost three mana when they ETB you search for a land. So if we don't if we don't count those, even though I just mentioned that in Chulane's ability, you yeah. can double up on it if you have like an ETB creature. If you don't count those, we've got 17 things at the one and two drop slot that either put an additional land into play or let you tap for some amount of mana. And that doesn't count Cryptolith right which gives all your creatures the ability to tap for any color. Turns all your dudes into gem hide slivers. Or birds of paradise is Uh, the... F birds of paradise. (laughs) He's been replaced by a goose. Which this deck plays. Yeah, he also plays the goose. This deck could actually play gem hide sliver. It could. Because gem hide just taps for one of any color like birds of paradise. Yeah. So... Uh, there you go, John. There's some free advice to bring your deck from a seven to a nine. <laughs> <laughs> so once we kind of get through, we're gonna we're gonna go a little bit quicker through some of the categories we typically go through to give people kind of the idea of what the deck's trying to do. Because John says it never wins. We're gonna tell you what it does, and then we're gonna theorize as to in a casual meta why it might not win, and then maybe make some suggestions if. You or somebody you know has a deck like this that that they're just running the table with. And maybe we could give you some suggestions to, I don't want to say power it down, but make it more fun in a casual meta. Can you do that with Chulane? It's hard. It's, it's tricky, but I mean, come on, one of our examples for a long time was Sea Monsters Tribal Zur. That's true. Yeah, I guess you could just, instead of filling this up with low drop mana dorks, you could fill it full of things that cost five. Yeah. Everything cost five Chulane, and I'll bet you you'd probably still win. Yeah, you probably would. You know what? Here's the thing. I mean, John says Chulane value, and you could put it in... You could could build a deck where all the creatures ETB and draw you a card, and while that would still be powerful, lots of things that draw you a card when they ETB cost four or five and have small bodies, and you'd maybe have to find a different way to win, like a... Like I'd mentioned, Crater Who for overwhelming Stampede or something instead of comboing your entire deck into Lab Maniac, which is the current iteration of the deck. Yeah, that's what the Chulane deck does, and it's what this Chulane deck does. So, so let's. But but remember, Ryan, before we go on, totally a seven. Totally a seven. Yeah, no mana crypt, no mana vault. It's a seven, and only one free counter spell. It, it just just and it's. <laughs> It's the best one for the deck that we're that we're playing. Yeah, it should be noted too that like when you're playing blue in a in a competitive environment or a very highly tuned environment, you do have access to at least three free counter spells in Pact of Negation, Force of Will, and Force of Negation, and you've got access to a myriad of one drop counter spells, of course. And then because you're playing green, you also have Force of Vigor, which is free, which can get rid of troublesome artifacts or enchantments. And uh, what is it? Pact of... What's the green pact that lets you search for a green creature? Summoner's Pact? Summoner's Pact, which isn't a counterspell, but it does let you immediately win the game for free because you're tutoring for a green creature. Yeah. Which, I mean, we could find a way to make that 
a win condition in this deck. Yeah. By what, by putting it in the deck, it becomes a win condition for what the did, deck. What did I say when we were walking into the studio? I said, this is literally just Bant Animar. Bantamar. Yes. Bantamar is what you called it. <laughs> yes. I'm sure if you overlaid my Animar deck and this Chulane deck, you'd see 60 to 70% of the same deck. Yes. So if you're familiar with CEDH Animar, this, you're, you're in for a treat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So should we talk about some creatures? Should we start with the creatures? Let's do it. We, we're going to do some clumping. Okay. We're going to clump some dorks. As we said, there's a bunch of them. So we're going to go Avacyn's Pilgrim, Bird of Paradise, Boreal Druid, Beastcaller Savant, Elvish Mystic... Gilded Goose, Gyre Engineer, Incubation Druid, Leaf Gilder, Leafkin Druid, Lanwar Elves, Mara Leaf Pixie, Naga Vitalist, Orochi Sustainer, Paradise Druid, Quirion Elves, Rose Thorn Acolyte, and Sylvian Caryatid. So I wasn't keeping track on my hands and toes, but it sounded like a ton of one and two drop dudes, dorks, that tap for mana. Yes. So there, there are several of them. Several. I'm gonna say whatever. It was ten. Let's just pretend it was ten. That's a ton. That's lots. You're you're in your opening eight cards, you're between fifty and sixty percent to get at least one. So that immediately puts Chulane down on turn four instead of turn five. And if you get any more mana accelerants, you can get a turn three Chulane, which means turn four you could potentially look at winning. Yeah. Look hard at winning. Ooh, baby. Like you're you're like winning walks by and you're like that meme where the dude's walking with his girlfriend and he's just turning around checking out that other girl super hard. Oh yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. like you and then you're walking with the game and then the girl walking by is winning the game. That's that's the meme that's that's there. All right, uh so let's talk some more creatures. Oh, there are Creech in this deck, baby. Forty six of them total. Die. Hey, hey, we haven't said this for a long time. Is this a creature deck? <laughs> no, it's a combo deck. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a dirty, rotten combo deck. Doesn't even win in the combat step. Is it a real deck? I don't know. Are, <laughs> are sevens even decks? Like, no, here's the yeah. thing: if you're not playing ten, bro, or or jank threes, you're not playing magic. <laughs> Edh and M. Some of the guys, actually, this is a total aside, are actually trying to start a thing where you buy two of those hundred dollar, oh, hundred card dollar store repacks. Yes, and you just build a deck out of that trash with a commander that's five bucks or less and play that there's like four decks already in the in the meta it's crazy it's so it's, basically i could just show up with lord of tressorhorn no didn't somebody pull a force of will out of one of those yes oh so sick <laughs> yeah i'll just take my four dollar hundred card stack from the fucking dollar store eh, casual force of will whatever eh, it happens like one in a bazillion although no you know what happens one in a bazillion you shuffle 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 like just habitually for half an hour then with your 100-card stack, you flip over two Daughter Vodums consecutively playing open flippy dot drinky. That happened. And I had to drink. Hard. Oh, baby. The most drink. <laughs> the same night, Foil Razaketh. <laughs> hammered. I opened a Blood Moon Invocation that night. Oh, also hammered. Yeah, we th- had an entire Rubbermaid Tupperware filled with packs. The picture exists somewhere on Twitter. It was awesome. Yeah. Okay, creatures. Creatures. Let's start with one of my new favorite creatures and favorite creature arts in Lotus Cobra. Yeah, my claim to fame and vintage. Remember, landfall, get a land of any color. It costs two mana. That's what it does. It's going to go infinite with Chulane when you can infinitely like get every mana out of your deck with something like your Fairhaven Elf, also in the deck. Yes. 
Fairhaven Elf is the next creature in line, so we'll skip over that one. Go to Eternal Witness. Everybody knows Eternal Witness. We're going to skip over that one. Go to <laughs> That one's going to get something that you sacrifice back from your graveyard when you can infinitely bounce it with your Chulain. That's right. Agus of the Gods. Oh, here's one. 2-1 two, for 2, Enchantment Creature, so you can find it with your Idyllic Tutor or your Enlightened Tutor. Mm. You have Hexproof. So... So, John, this deck's a seven. Got you. I got you. This is how you make it an eight or a nine. Enlightened Tutor. Put your Agus of the God on top. Flash something in with Aluren, also in the deck. Draw your card from Chulain, flashing your Agus of the God with Aluren. Stop that Comet Storm. Boom. You're playing CEDH, bro. That's why his deck's a seven. He didn't he didn't figure out that combo. He didn't see the line. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> How about uh, Meat Gazer? Meat Gazer? <laughs> yeah, Meat Gazer is somebody that when you go in and you're at the urinal and you're peeing, and somebody's just like straight up looking at your shit. Is that what that guy's doing? It's a Meat Gazer. No, nah, it's, it's an arboreal grazer. I just wanted to talk about what a Meat Gazer is. Okay. That happened to somebody in the bathroom last night. The guy, he just comes stomping down the hallway. Some guy in the bathroom is just looking at my dick. This is not something you expect to hear. That is not okay. Anybody who's doing that, just no, stop. Just stop doing that, guys. It's an 0-3 for green reach. Who cares? Enters the battlefield, land from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. Could this be a Sakura tribe scout? Nah, that's not fast enough. It's fine. This one you yeah. bounce and play again, and you get an extra land to go to the next guy. Tatiova Benthic Druid. To draw a card and gain a life. So Jesus. when you draw that card and it's a creature and you can put it right into play, you can just draw another card, play another land, draw another card, play another land. Yeah, you're seeing where this is going to go. Go to the next one. Oh, Beast Whisperer. Hmm. Cast a creature spell, draw a card, draw another card, gain a life, put a land into play, draw another card, gain play a life. another creature. <laughs> you can see where this is going. How about Collector Oaf? Uh, okay, this is fine. Activated abilities of artifacts can't be activated. Huh. It's no wonder he's not playing your Grim Monoliths and your your Mana Crypts, Mana Vaults, Sol Ring. Okay. All right. He's fine. playing Collector Oof. This is the second kind of Staxy card we've seen alongside that Aegis of the Gods. Yeah. Also, where you skipped over him, Beast Caller Savant, one of our Mana Dorks. I love this callback art. It's got a little Lotus Cobra wrapped around an elf guy who's got a bunch of abs. I yeah. Just, I like when they put other card things in the arts of other cards like those sex monkeys from whatever that was uh uktabi orangutans yeah yeah and like they're just there like i like stuff like that i just i get a kick out of that stuff we should say he's a uh, one one with haste that taps to add a man of any color to your mana pool so essentially you spend two up front to get one immediately but if you can untap him somehow yeah he's 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 fine he, yeah he you only find him in decks that are sevens yeah yeah because he should probably just be a mana vault Let's be honest. Well, we'll see what else is in here that can maybe untap him sure. where yeah. Mana Vault wouldn't be untapped. I can't think of anything. How about Elvish Visionary? Enters the battlefield, draw a card. I can't see how that would fit into the deck if you are playing lands and drawing cards and casting creatures and bouncing creatures and playing lands and drawing cards and playing creatures. Me either. Cut it. Yeah. Just cut it. Yeah. All right, then we have a suite of creatures in Essence Warden. Grazing Glade Heart, Jotty Offshoot, Soul Warden, Souls Attendant, and Sutra Priest. All of those, and and Golden Glow Moth, which I have no idea, but all of these cards gain you life. Golden Glow Moth being the worst one, when it blocks, you gain four life. <laughs> I don't know why that's in here. <laughs> you play him in uh, Rune Tail, because he doesn't take damage, so you just gain some life and block a thing. Yeah, but... th I mean, that's that's fine. I mean, short, short from... 
I, this is right in my notes. Short from a bunch of life gain cards that you just mentioned and a seven drop, this is just a CEDH deck. So, I mean, <laughs> if that's in here, man, man, we're probably okay with that. Yeah, we already talked about Farhaven Elf. We have a giver of runes. That's a mother of runes, except it can't target itself. Like, that matters in EDH. You tap it to give Chulane protection from something so he doesn't get killed. Correct. Next up is, I like this one. I like this card. Kami of False Hope. This is another just kind of jank include where it could just be a force of will. <laughs> but this is, you sacrifice him, call me a false hope to prevent all damage that would be dealt this turn. And he's a 1-1 one, one for white. And he has rad art. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there, but it's pretty cool. The picture is really cool. We have a core skyfish. This is just a white version of anything that bounces creatures. This could be like your Mana War, your Kiriona. Hey, just just FYI, John, Kiriona, look it up. This is a 2-3 flyer for white one, so good rate there. When it enters the battlefield, return a permanent you control to its owner's hand. Can't imagine you wouldn't want to return a creature that draws you a card or a land that lets you draw a card with Tatiova in no. this deck. Hell no. No. Now, I don't know why this guy's in here, I'm not going to lie. I can't see it. I see no purpose for it, but we'll we'll talk about it, I, I suppose. How about a uh, Laboratory Maniac? 2-2 two, two Human Wizard for blue 2. If you would draw a card while your library's empty, you win the game instead of lose. Man, that's some, that's some 7 shit. So, you know what? See the first 25 minutes of this show. You might <laughs> find the answer as to why Laboratory Maniac is in this list. Maybe. Maybe. Let's skip over some more dorks. We have a Rex Sage. I think everybody knows Rex Sage at this point, hey? ETBs destroys an artifact or enchantment. Seagate Oracle. Seagate Oracle enters the battlefield for three mana. Look at the top two of your library. Put one into your hand, one onto the bottom. This could also be a generous patron for the same mana cost except green two. You could add counters to your opponent's creatures. You could add plus one, plus one counters to your opponent's creatures and then just draw both cards instead of having to put one on the bottom. Ooh. Just, just saying there, John. Interesting altar you could maybe do with a Seagate Oracle if you were so inclined or were good at painting cards. Check out the Facebook page every Thursday for new auctions. You could paint this to look like Sam Witwicky from Transformers, and that's like the that's the cube from... I have... Yeah, you probably haven't seen Transformers. I, you? you know what I have, but I mean, that came out in like 2006. It'd be cool. I think people would... I think just people would just like another that. movie that's going right over Ryan's head. <laughs> By the by, I do have an Altered Art sea or Seagate Oracle. <laughs> just, I have one already, so. What about a Sil... What the hell were... Silhalla Wayfinder? Silhanna? Silhanna? I don't know. It enters the battlefield. Look at the top four cards of your library. You can put a land or a creature, right? Yes. From among them, and the rest go onto the bottom. Sure. What about a Siren Storm Tamer? The, yeah, this isn't a CEDH card at all. This is a 1-1 one, one flyer for one. Blue... Sack it, counter target spell or ability that targets you or a creature you control. How about Skullwinder? This is a death touch, one three for three. When it enters the battlefield, return target card from your graveyard to your hand, then choose an opponent and they do the same. So, huh. yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, you could probably, it's a creature that returns something from your graveyard. So that's, it's like, it's good. Sure. Spore Frog, I think is another one that everybody knows. Sack it to Fog. Spore Fog. Yeah, Fog Frog. I like that too. Yeah, that's it. But uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, Fugitive. This is a creature for blue one. It's a 1-3. Creatures you control with power or toughness, one or less, can't be blocked. This is a weird one. And like, if John's thinking he's using this as a win condition, 
that's a little bit weird. <laughs> yeah, like if you're gonna swing in with your dorks, like, like what? I the the Kami of False Hope and the the Spore Frog are a little bit of a weird include because I mean you want a combo and they're gonna help you, but you can also recur them to have a Spore Frog after like you bounce your Eternal Witness and play it again. You could have a Spore Frog every turn. I get why they're in there, but this one is just weird. Yeah, I don't get it. That's a seven. Definitely. That's a seven. the card that makes it a seven. And the last card is a Sylvan Ranger. That just searches for a basic, puts it into your hand. So there's the creature suite. Sweet, sweet, as it were. We'll do some instants real fast. Yeah, there are four instants. We have an Enlightened Tutor. That searches for an enchantment or artifact, put it onto the top. It's going to search for an enchantment in this deck. Yes. Pact of Negation. Free Counterspell. Reclaim. Green, put a card from your graveyard on top of your library. This should actually be a... What's the green Phyrexian one? Phyrexian Noxious Revival. Noxious Revival. That's that's pretty good right there, especially because he's playing life gain. Ryan, it's only a seven. Oh, yeah. Come on, man. Last one is Swan Song. Counter target enchantment, instant or sorcery. Its controller gets a 2-2. Two, two. You ever see somebody go on the beat down plan with that bird? I have sort of. I've seen a Swan Song bird get equipped. With a sort of whatever and whatever, and yeah. and get in for some beats Just for sure. Get in there and fuck people's lives up. I like that. Let's talk some sorceries. There's four of these as well. Sure. First one, camaraderie. Ooh, this is one we don't see very often. I've never and seen this card before. You know what? In yes, you have. Shut have your I? mouth. It's yeah. got an elephant on it. I like it. Yeah, it's 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 something that is pretty good in most circles. I don't think it's CEDH playable though. Regardless. White, green, four, gain X life, draw X cards, where X is the number of creatures you control. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. So this is like your your overrun effect, but it's also <laughs> just like your draw 19 cards effect. Yes. It, it also turns off uh, that ninja guy. In some Umezawa. cases. You could, you could still attack with your golden glow moth because it still has one power. Oh, oh baby. Now golden glow moth beats when you when you permanently bounce your camaraderie with your your eternal witness and Chulain. And you only have Eternal Witness, Chulain, Umazawa, and Golden Glow Moth. You have those four cards so you don't draw yourself out. Fuck it. You could draw yourself out because you have Lab Man. Yeah. Gee. I'm trying to find ways to make it not good. <laughs> it's like, it's like you can just draw everything. You're laughing. Well, you want to talk about terrible cards, Ryan. Yeah. Terrible cards with animals in their art, even. How about Glimpse of Nature? This isn't any good. Oh, baby. So there is a redundancy of this effect in the deck to the tune of four or five cards that do this. Whenever you play a creature, draw a card. Ooh. So Chulain does it. Glimpse does it. Guardian Project does it when we hit enchantments. Beast Whisperer does it, and Zendikar Resurgent does it. Again, when we look at enchantments. They have an Idealic Tutor. Three mana Enlightened Tutor at sorcery speed. And a regrowth. Return target card from your graveyard to your hand. Sorcery not being played proves it's a seven. There's no beckon call. That is like whenever a Creech enters a battlefield, draw a card? Yep. Oh, it's Glimpse of Nature, but for two mana on a split card, and the six mana... Azorius side is you get four bird tokens. Yeah, so if you do both, you just draw four cards and then you have a glimpse of nature effect that goes to the end of turn. Yeah, not terrible. Yeah, there's a whole modern deck based around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's look at enchantments now, I think, right? Yes, these are the ones that will push it over the top to prove to everybody listening right now that this deck is a goddamn seven and 
Nobody, nobody out there ever will ever convince me that this deck is not a seven after we've read the next six cards. Even even if you have like turn one mana dork, turn two, two mana dorks, turn three, two lane win? No. Oh. No. This deck is a seven. Let me prove it to you. Sure. Let me prove it to you by talking about Aluren. Mm. <laughs> green, green, two. Any player might pay a creature spell casting... Fuck. <laughs> Oh, man. That's <laughs> what the fucking... I don't even know what I was saying. <laughs> All right. Okay, we got this. We're professionals. Professionals. Okay. Any player can play creatures with converted mana cost three or less for free whenever they can play an instant. You know what the best part of Alluren is? People forget that they can do it, too. <laughs> it's like Dream Halls. I was about to say... We can do it. It's symmetrical, bro. Yeah. It's not even that good. What if you play a lure and just get blown out by the goblin player? You know what? Usually, goblins have to attack to win. This deck doesn't. So if I can infinitely bounce and recast my creatures that all say draw a card or draw four cards, I'm just going to win. Right? As soon as you start to go off with the lure... There's not really any stopping it, and it's a it's a hell of a drug. It's a hell of a card. It's so how do, card. how do we do that? Let's see let's see the next couple cards. How are we gonna do that? We have a symmetrical play creatures for free with flash. That's fine. That's not even that good. Cryptolith, right? That makes all your creatures tap for a man of any color. Fine. Yeah, whatever. It just turns them into dorks. You already have lots of dorks. Guardian project. Cast a creature. If it has a different name than any other creature, which it will, draw a card. So this is what did I say? The fourth or fifth time we've seen this effect. What are the other two effects that are right below it? Zendikar Resurgent? Doubles all your mana. Who cares? We don't care about that because we're playing Aluren and 19 mana dorks. Whenever you cast a creature, draw a card. It costs seven, Ryan. We've got seven. Trust seven. me. It Trust me, seven. we have seven. Now this one, this one, this is just, I think this might be a bad include too. Sure. This is this is proof of the sevenness. Okay? This is a very CCO card though, yo. It, it is. It's got, it's got a picture of you and I on it. It kind of does. And it's got, it's, it costs green, green, four. Okay. You skip your draw phase. I'm listening. Which is only good in CCO Nation and nowhere else. Uh, whenever during your discard phase, you you discard all but two cards from your hand. I like this too. We're playing Ewit. We could bounce it all yes. all we want. Yeah. So like your maximum hand size is now two. Uh, and whenever you play a card, draw a card. Play a card, draw a card. Hey, can't imagine how that would be broken with Chulain and Tatiova and the. Uh, all the things that say draw a card on them. Notice this play a card, not cast a card. So land also counts. Yes. That's it's fine. It's medium. It's yeah, fine. The card only costs like a dollar. It can't be that strong. In this deck, it's good. You know what? How do we keep playing cards? How do we do it? What do we do to continue to play cards over and over again? You know, Ryan, I play this card in lots of decks. Yes. And I know for a fact it's broken in every deck you play it in. It's just fine. I think everybody already knows what it is. Okay, I'll give you a second. Everybody can guess. It's intruder. It's alarm. intruder alarm. <laughs> so intruder alarm is an enchantment for blue two creatures. Don't untap during their controller's untap step. So everything can stay locked down. There are intruder alarm locks where you like where you make it so your opponents can't cast creatures and their current creatures are tapped. But it also says whenever a creature enters a battlefield, untap all creatures. So with your mana dorks, you cast a creature, all creatures will untap. And you'll remember that Chulain's got that three tap, bounce a creature, rider below his, his good ability. So you bounce one of your mana dorks, 
and you cast it again, you cast it again, and Chulain will untap. So you can infinitely do this over and over, drawing cards every time till you hit your lab man, or till you have infinite life, or until you have infinite storm count, whatever way you want to win the game, or until you hit your E-Wit to get your win condition out of your graveyard back. Whatever it is, you can do it with Intruder Alarm. Seven. All right, last card that isn't a land. There's one artifact. I have killed myself with this card so many times by accident. It is an Alhameret's Archive. This, I, you know what? I appreciate this card in this deck. We've got some suggestions and cuts for the list based on how how well we're able to communicate as a Magic player. This card is not one of them. It's a 5-5 legendary artifact. If you would gain life, gain twice that much life. Maybe he's riffing off that with his life gain cards. Yeah. Maybe. If you would draw a card, except for the first one you draw each turn, draw two cards instead. So, that's fine. It's, it's good. Yeah. It's, it's a cool card. It does lots of neat stuff, and it does what the deck wants to do. You know so what I'm testing on in, in, in my Animar deck? This? N no. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> I'm testing out the Great Henge. Soul of the Harvest is a six drop, two in Animar, of course. Non-token creature enters battlefield, draw a card. The Great Henge, green, green, minus X based on your biggest guy. So green, green. Green, green, and then you get your green, green back and gain two life. I'm testing that because that says whenever you cast a creature, draw a card, then put a plus one on that creature. So that card could probably go in this deck. Seems pretty good. There's another yeah. suggestion for John. Yeah, because the deck isn't seven enough already. You want to bring it down by playing, like, jank enchantments from the new set. Yeah, you know what? So it's good that you bring that up. We've got a couple potential cuts, suggestions, if you will, to kind of make the deck maybe run a little bit smoother or be a lot less comboy. What you want to avoid in a more casual meta, even if this isn't a very... Like, even if this isn't a tuned or CEDH deck per se, to make the deck run so it isn't just solitaire into, oh, I win, or I'm going to solitaire, can you stop me? If not, I win. This is what I would suggest. Cuts. Aluren. Yes. Oh, dude. Have you ever cast Aluren? Yes. Whew. I play Aluren and Intruder Alarm in my Sliver deck. Yep. For I, the exact same reason that they play them in this deck. I used to play both of them in Animar. Like, they're, they're insane. Yeah. In, in my next one, Intruder Alarm, Glimpse of Nature, because it's the one mana version of cast a card, draw a card, you can cast a creature, draw a card. You could replace Glimpse of Nature with Beck and Call, and it would actually slow the deck down. Yeah. It would make the deck much more casual. Yeah. Or the Great Henge. I know the Great Henge is like 15 or 20 bucks, but uh, ultimately that is half the price of a Glimpse. If you don't have one at home there, CC <laughs> <laughs> Lab Maniac, just to take out that win. Pact of Negation, just because free counter spells are never a fun time whenever they're cast against you, unless everybody is sitting down and knows that they're playing 10 out of 10, fully tuned, powered up CEDH. Does Force of Will have a spot in like a casual deck? Not my deck is a seven, but like, you know, this is my casual deck. I don't pump it full of combos. It's kind of frail, you know. It doesn't have a lot of protection. I'm not packing a whole bunch of interaction. 
Could, yeah. do, you, do you still run the, like you always run a tutor like every deck gets a tutor every deck could yeah just play one thing game's got to end kind of thing yeah like do you do you have force to protect like it's time to win I'm gonna win I'm gonna have this oh as you know what you just I just went through a like on a mental journey because I said game's got to end well force of will just lets me tap yeah. out and then make your game not end when you tutor yeah. but then you said I'm trying to win. I've got backup with Force of Will. Here's my here's my Exanguinate for 30 because I have to tap everything. Everybody's going to dice at me. Somebody counterspells. I Force of Will in response. Yeah, game's over. Game's over. So, that's, that's what I think. When I look at Force, that's what I play Force to do. On the rare occasions where I play one, you are You are being proactive trying to win versus trying to set up your, your lock or your combo or your yeah. control board. Yeah, rarely will I use it to stop something else, unless it's going to end my game. But I won't, like, just get a thing unless it's going to that thing's going to kill me. I'll usually use it to protect my own thing. That's just me. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it's fine there. If you're playing a deck that is very proactive, then, yeah, I think that there could be a spot for it. Yeah. Alongside Pact and Force of Negation... I mean, if you're playing three of them, then people are going to expect it more, but they're also going to, like, not want to play against the deck as much if they know that you can just willy-nilly count whatever you want whenever you want. Yeah. <clears throat> Saw I, that last night, too. Jesus. And here's the thing. I don't want to sound like a broken record over the course of this arc, but communication. In part of your pregame conversation, you can say something like, I have a force and a pact and a pact. A force and a force and a pact? How does it go? I don't know how to how do you even say that? Paco Paco negation? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Forso negato, whatever you want to yeah, say. Yeah, whatever like. it is. I have these three free counter spells. They're in there to protect my win condition. Right? I win through creatures, so it's gonna be like an overrun effect or some big creature attacky thing that I don't want you to counter. That's how I'm gonna try and win, right? Sure. I'm not gonna infinitely bounce my Ewit to cast my lab man and then counter whatever you do to stop me, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. Yes, you just have to communicate it. It's important. That's the, that's the answer, I guess. Yes. In case you haven't picked up on this also, speaking of communication, we said that the deck was a seven. The deck's not a fucking seven. No matter what anybody says, this deck isn't a seven. As soon as it starts to go off. It goes off. Yeah. Like you can, the, the mathematics of a deck like this say you're probably going to win the same turn you play Chulain. That's right. And you know what? My Zata deck op operates in a very similar fashion with a far less, far lower chance to go off because I don't have as much like just... Redundancy. Redundancy in the cast a creature, draw a card category. I don't have protection that blue and green offers. And I can't make the mana quite like this deck can reliably because I'm running fast mana, but I don't have 19 mana dorks. So if that deck is a CEDH deck and this one can draw more cards, can make more mana sooner and has protection, right? That's why it's important to talk and communicate. Just because it's a deck packed full of one ones and you don't have the protection suite and your dudes are just kind of flapping in the air a little bit and you're, they die to spot removal or sweepers. We'll get into that in a minute. It doesn't mean that your deck isn't the most powerful thing at the table. Yes. And you know what? Let's talk about sweepers right now because you know what? John says that this deck doesn't win a whole lot. It's not running any sweepers, but in a less powered meta, whatever it may be, I think that 
because you get so much card advantage off of a Wrath of God effect, more people play those than in higher power decks where there are less creatures and more mana rocks and combo pieces. There is more pinpointed removal that's going to stab straight through one person's heart or disruption to stop somebody who's stopping you than there are sweepers because there's less creatures. That's what my experience tells me. CEDH people out there, if you know different, like let us know in the comments. Yeah, like yeah, we don't play CEDH that much, but like apart from Path and Swords, I feel like the most common removal you're going to see at a, I'm going to say air quotes, regular commander pod, normie commander pod, is going to be a Wrath of God. It's going to be a chain reaction. It's gonna yeah, be a blast it's going to be a, some kind of sweeper. Blastmas is a good one because it costs one. Yeah. <laughs> it costs the same as Path and Swords. Yeah, why, why would I play Lightning Bolt? Why, why would I do three to something when I could do 13 to everything? You know what? Anybody who's got experience in higher tuned metas or CEDH in particular, let us know about Force of Will and normal decks too. Like, do you do you have a play set of Force of Will, three CEDH decks and one regular, and you put that regular one just so you can use it somewhere? Yeah. Let us know on Twitter, at CCO Podcast, at CCO Brando. Let us know in the comments on YouTube, anywhere that you find us. Let us know. We're, I'm actually interested because... Like, I have Force of Will in a deck, but it is my hard control deck that has the Eryxmethes, like, overwhelming stampede win condition. Right. So I give plus 12 to my whole team and then crash in. But, I mean, if you didn't see that win condition, you could maybe say that that's a CEDH deck because it, it's playing, like, lots of counter spells mm. and Cyclonic Rift and good mana rocks and graveyard recursion. Like, it's really good. It turned into Edris Spymaster of Trest turns. Yeah, and then I turn it back into Eryxmethes. Just, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, because you know how it is. So we cut these few cards that I that I suggested that we cut. Oh, it was Zendikar Resurgent as well. Just yeah. because it's a mana doubler that isn't really required. And it could be, maybe it could be the Great Henge. I don't know. Whatever. Defensive creature spells. That's what I would add. If he's finding that he's trying to win through like attacking with like Umazawa Fugitive Guy and he just can't do it. What about... Baird Steward of Argive that makes it so people have to pay to attack you but it's also a creature Windborn Muse pay to attack you also a creature the Thalias that tax other players creatures well Magus of the Moat Magus of the Moat Avon Mind Sensor these are things that are stopping your opponents from doing stuff but are also creatures so you're drawing cards playing lands yeah and How it drives you all the way to the inevitable inevitable Crater Hoof Behemoth yeah, right. Which I mean, yeah, it's Crater Who. You you could say that that's as, include guys, but like you could say that that's as cheesy as Lab Man, right? Yeah, it is. You could, right? And it just costs more mana. <laughs> yeah, and more money. What about Felidar Sovereign? He's Duh. playing that. He's playing that uh, that janky life gain suite. Maybe there's a maybe there's an end to that. I guess you could play Felidar Sovereign. Yeah. What about Platinum Angel? I have Platinum Angel. That card sucks. Don't yeah. if you're playing that, just cut it. Just put, just cut it. Just okay. cut okay. it. What about Vryn, Wingmare, and Glow Rider and Spell Tithe Enforcer? All of those make okay. Vryn, Wingmare, and Glow Rider make non-creature spells cost one more mana. So your Pact of Negation isn't free anymore. <laughs> Whoop de doo! But all of your decks got like forty-six creature in it. Remember how every time I put out the invite to go to EDH and M, I always say hashtag no stacks? And John always wants to play stacks on stacks against you? Yeah. This could be his deck. <laughs> I'm just saying. Should I turn my deck into two lane stacks? 
that no. is that is like a that is a, a deck. Re- that's a, that's real a real deck, deck dude. <laughs> spell tithe enforcer is essentially just taxes every spell your opponents play by one, yep. so it just makes their shit cost more. What and, about Grand and Arbiter? And he's an elephant. Grand Arbiter furthers your combo. And wait, hold no, I'm doing I'm doing the thing I'm telling people not to do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, never mind. Let's make the combo better and we'll add stacks to it and we're gonna build a different CEDH deck. Communication is important. Communication is key, kid. See, if we didn't talk about this, I maybe wouldn't have realized it and I would have just like thought I was doing everybody a service and taking Lab Man out and putting Grand Arbiter Augustine the Fourth in. See, what we've done is we've proven that True Lane is a difficult deck to have be casual because any of the strategies you're going to play with them are going to be so efficient and so effective because you have so much ramp and so much draw that like you kind of have to play something like Sea Monster Zer that actually sucks in order to make people believe that it's not just I'm going to play a million dorks and kill you. And if that's the case, boy howdy, do I have the win con for you. Ooh. Don't think I didn't come prepared. <clears throat> That was a knuckle crack. (laughs) Approach of the Second Sun. Seven drop sorcery. If Approach of the Second Sun was cast from your hand and you've cast another spell named Approach of the Second Sun this game, you win the game. Otherwise, put Approach of the Second Sun into its owner's library, seventh from the top, and you gain seven life. So it plays into that janky life gain thing we're talking about. <laughs> it plays well with Platinum Angel. <laughs> Curving right into your wincon. <laughs> and because all your creatures in your deck draw you a card, play you extra land, play you da-da-da, the whole deck, right? You could cast this and dig, 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 cast it again same turn. And I don't think anybody has hard feelings about dying to double approach same turn. Well, I don't know what it's infinite draw infinite mana Ugh. and you have to leave God dang and it. you have to leave intruder alarm and you have to leave alluring in to do that so not i'm gonna cut that one too oh, dang it dang it no, no here it is here it is i got it i got it i got it you cut what do you cut you cut something that cdh and you put in a Beastmaster ascension there you go and you just swing with dorks i'm into it that that's what you got and umazabu will be there to make sure that your dorks don't get blocked so you always get the counter on your thing yeah. Oh, yeah. You always get the counter on your thing, and you can attack. How would the triggers work? Umazawa says they can't be blocked, but when they're declared attackers, Beastmaster Ascension would trigger, and then you move to declare blockers, so they would be able yeah. to block once they're big. But they're six sixes at that point, and they're probably going to win. Yeah. They'll probably win. Probably just win. Yeah, and then you can play Nostalgic Dreams, so if your dudes all get wiped out in combat, you can chuck your hand that you've been building and building the whole game and put them all back in your hand. Yep. Mm-hmm. There you go, see? Yeah. You could easily make this into a actual seven. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you, you, you smirk, but I think it's true. Like, you just you just have to dial it back so you're not solitaring into, I probably win. Because if you don't win, nobody's having fun. If you do win, the other three people aren't having fun because you're just solitaring. And maybe that's not fun for you when other people don't have fun. That's why I literally practice physical card manipulation with Zata so I can get faster at it, right? So if I am doing one of those combo turns, it only takes a minute or two for me to dig and draw and dig and draw and dig and draw. And I know what the combo lines are so I can just do it. 
and say, I win this turn. Can anybody stop me? And they say no. And I say, okay, I win. Let's go to the next game. And it takes one minute. I'll usually do the shortcutter thing. Where I'm like, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And then I'm going to do this. That, can, yeah. you, can you oh, stop? Yeah. And they'll say, no, I don't have a force. No, I don't have removal. No. And say, so, okay, do you want me to show you the cards? And sometimes they'll ask me to like pull the cards out of my library just to show that I have them. Yeah. Or, or then, can okay. you demonstrate the combo? Right? Yeah. And you actually have to go through the steps. And then... The second time you go through it, you're just going to be like, I'm going to put this one here, this one here, this one here, this one here, and it's going to happen again. This one here, this one here, this one here, it's going to happen again. Um, I like the shortcut when you play Omnath, where you go like Fetch Land, Myriad Landscape, Sakura Tribe Elder, and you're just going to go this, this, this. I'm going to crack them all at end of turn. Go ahead. And I'll find my stuff on your guys' turn. You go and search for four lands. I like that. Yeah. The shortcutting is important in EDH so that the games don't... You get four games in a night instead of fucking one. Yeah. As long as you can demonstrate how you're shortcutting and there's no like, oh, I shortcutted that, but I'm going to take it back. Right? Or yeah. if you're shortcutting something with a newer player who doesn't understand what you're doing and just it just looks like you picked up your deck and you're searching... Right, you got to be able to demonstrate and communicate what the shortcut is, and once they're familiar and comfortable with that, that that's when it's then it, it like becomes okay. Yes. So just for completion's sake, what did you say? Uh, completionist. Completionist. We are completionist cookout podcast today. Yes, we are. Oh, CCO. Got there. <laughs> got there. We are going to do a quick spice calculator for Chulane and our boy John Fu. Hashtag no stacks unless it's against Brando. Popularity on EDHREC.com. He is a new commander. They've restructured EDH rec to include just the last two years worth of lists. And look at that. Chu Lane already at number six. Above Rafiki of the Lots. Yeah. And below Rune of the Hidden Realms. Which could arguably go in this deck or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Chu Lane, 585 decks. Average CMC for this particular one, 2.27. That was my first indicator when I opened up the list and I was like, 2.27, Brando, what the hell are you pointing me at here to do show notes on, man? Right? And then I looked at like all the creatures. I was like, what the hell, man? (laughs) Anyways, tutors in this deck. I'm going to say two, the idyllic and the enlightened tutors. Yeah. Cards different than the stock list on EDHREC.com, of which Beastmaster Ascension is included. Really? Yeah, just because everybody wants to do cheap, efficient creatures. Yeah. And not everybody wants to do combo win. They just want to, like, Chulane shit their whole deck out and then attack with, like, Concordant Crossroads and Beastmaster Ascension. Yeah, they'll do it. So it's not that that's not spicy. Like, that's still a cool way to to do a deck and an an efficient way. But anyways, 31 cards different than the stock list on EDHREC.com. That's not too bad. Yeah. You punch it all into the spice calculator, though. It's not that much, and that second tutor does hurt, and both of those tutors are kind of spendy. Yeah. So we punch it all in when we get a 38 on the spice calculator. It's only a 7. It's only a... I wish I could have... Here. I got this. There. Changed one number. Now it's a 37. (laughs) (laughs) Got there. Excellent. So, oh, we didn't touch on any lands. Lands of note. This is another thing that that people sometimes associate with being a competitive deck. And the lands in this deck are like, I saw Temple of the False God. I saw the Ravnica Karoos that ETB tapped and bounce a land. Azorius Chancery is one of them. Yeah, I saw the Scry lands. So in terms of like, 
turn two or three chew lane, you're probably not looking at that that often because you play five or six tap lands or a temple that does like literally nothing till turn five or yeah. four. So maybe the deck isn't as fast as we initially said it was because of all those tap lands. Maybe. Right? Like I know whenever I see EDH like competitive decks or tuned decks, they don't care if they take one or two or three or 10 damage from their lands by tapping them because they get the mana right now. Yeah, you know, you Actually, you know what I won the game off the back of? Or won a game off the back of yesterday. Just I realize it now as we're talking. I realize it right this second. City of Brass. Oh, yeah? I took seven damage from my own City of Brass, but it was my only white and my only red source for like six turns. And I was Ooh. playing a five-color deck. And That's it, ironic because yeah. I I bet you I bet you hated taking damage to to get white mana, oh, but you were totally fine taking damage to get red mana. <laughs> <laughs> it was a whole thing, but yeah, like those I didn't give a shit because it's like, well, I'm gonna win. And at the same so time, at the same time, I can't. I don't know how many times I've put myself myself below twenty by turn, you know, f- four or five in Animar because I play a full set of uh, pain lands and the the horizon lands. I don't give a shit. I just need the colors I need. Yeah. Right. I'm going to win anyways. So if this deck's not doing that, and as a result, it's physically impossible for it to win on turn three or four. I'm okay with this. I'm fine with it too. Okay. So maybe it is a seven after all. Maybe. 7.4. I'm watching you, John. Watching you. Watching him. Watching him on EDHM. You can watch us on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Commander Cookout Podcast. We are on there. Brando is going to give you a full rundown of social media coordinates. Our deck giveaway that we forgot to mention, the fairy giveaway deck. Yeah, fairy giveaway deck. Like or follow any of our giveaway posts that you can find at CCO Podcast or CCO Brando on Twitter. You can check us out on Facebook, CCO Podcast. You can find some more posts there. Also, if you like or comment or share any of the YouTube videos or the podcasts off Podomatic, if that's where you consume us, Get us out there. You will get yourself entered in to win the Fairy Brawl deck. I can't remember the lady's name. Alila Artful Provocateur. Hey, hey, one of the ways you could enter on Twitter is telling Brando why he should play Brawl. Did did your Twitter blow up? Yes. My Twitter (laughs) did blow up with reasons I should play Brawl. The most encouraging reason is I can play Torbran in Wreck House. I'll bet you Torbran is a fucking boss in Brawl, man. Is there lots of red support for him, though? Who cares? As long as there's red things that do one. <laughs> yeah, like one ones for three. Or one ones for one. They don't print one ones for three anymore. They don't print one ones for one anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Not in red. Only yeah. green gets those, and they give you extra land. Ugh. <laughs> Goddamn green. What I want to know is when. when is all the other colors, except for fucking blue, going to start getting the love that green got over the last couple of years? Let me tell you that. Never. Right? Never. Just give it to red. Just to red. Or to white. Nah, screw white. They suck. I had... There's no hope. There's no coming back for white. I've had so many years where I just dunk on white and dump on white for having all the best shit. Well, who's laughing now, man? Fuck you, white. White is the the Jack Dawson at the end of Titanic didn't get on the door. Yeah, you could get... There's room for you on this piece of wood, but stay in the water. F white. Screw it. It's a support color <laughs> forever. Is, is that the final thought of the day, or do you want to give us another one for Tulane? No. This deck's a seven. White sucks. And we'll see you again on another episode of Commander Cookout Podcast. Hit our theme song for face to face games.com, Canada's biggest magic store. Woo!